Hello. What about giving a hand to Alice? I think she did a good job sharing something she needed to share. Now listen carefully. I'm going to give you a scriptural context. I'm going to make the connection in 1 Kings 12. 1 Kings 12, Solomon has uh, expired. He's dead. His son, Rehoboam, is the one that has been chosen to be king. Rehoboam became king when he was uh, 41. That's young. Solomon had uh, the latter part of his reign had been abusing the people. He had been overworking them, sitting on his throne, so to speak, became so comfortable that he thought he deserved it. He began to treat people as if they were slaves. He began to work them mercilessly. He began to command them do things and not just work during the day, but at night. And that's how he ended his reign, abusing people. He was placed there by God to be a servant to the people. But he became an individual who desired to be served at his beckoning call. When he died, Rehoboam became king. They went to him. Jeroboam, of course, came with the people. He left the country because Solomon thought he wanted the throne before he died, and he was going to have assassinators take his life away. And Jeroboam found out, and he left the country. When he found out that Solomon is dead, he comes back. Rehoboam, of course, is king now. And the people went to Rehoboam. And this is what they said. Hey, your dad almost killed us. Your dad treated us like dogs. Your dad treated us like slaves. He, he didn't care about us. It was his way or the highway. And we would die if we didn't do what we were told to do by the officers of his reign. And it came to the place that more, the more that we gave, the more that he wanted. And Rehoboam, we're asking you, if you don't mind, cut us some slack. Respect us. Love us. Give us a chance. We can be your friends. We don't want to be your enemies, and we don't want to be your slaves. Rehoboam said, I'll take that into counsel. And so he said, I'll get back with you. Meet me right here in three days. And so he went to the wise counsel of his father. And he said to them, this is what the people have asked. And those said, your dad believed that to begin with, but he got off track. Rehoboam, these people are good people. These people are not slaves. They were slaves under Pharaoh generations before, but they're individuals who will serve you. If you honor them and you treat them fairly, they will give you more work. They will turn out more product than you could ever imagine if you just treat them with respect. He said, that's good. Then he left them and he went to some individuals he was raised with. And these young individuals said, hey, Rehoboam, man, you're the king, dude. You don't need to cut anybody any slack. Your dad set the pace. You need to... Your dad beat them with ropes. You need to whip them with chains. You need to make them do more than they've ever done and make them respect you and your authority as king. That's, that's what you need to do, Rehoboam. They don't deserve respect. And so, in fact, Rehoboam went back three days later. Of course, the people came, and he said, I made my decision. 
Listen, you don't deserve respect. I am the king. You will obey my every order. As a matter of fact, I'm going to ramp up the workload on you, and I'm going to do everything that I can to get all the product that I can out of you. And as a result of that, they rebelled. And when they rebelled, the house of Israel split. Ten tribes, Jeroboam became the leader of those ten tribes, and Rehoboam became the leader of the tribe of Benjamin and Judah. The two, a split that has not been resolved still today in the land, the Holy Land. Now, when I thought about that, I thought about some of the principles as I thought about relationship. What was it that created that kind of angst and that kind of division? And it had to do with relationships. And then I remembered the cards that we read, so I thought I would give you just a few principles today that might help you in relationships. Whether it's a relationship with a spouse, a relationship with a friend, a relationship with a coworker, uh, you might pay attention. And here's what I know, that most of you that have engaged in relationship, marital, you already know almost everything that I'm, I'm going to say. But for those of you that are young people and you have not entered into the matrimonial bliss yet, let me share point number one. Don't marry who you can live with, but marry who you cannot live without. You got that? Don't marry somebody you can live with. Oh, Lord, we get along so good. It's so wonderful. And I want you to know we make a good couple. My friend, if your heart of hearts says, hey, that's the person for me, I cannot live without them. I want you to know they're on my heart, they're on my mind, they're in my heart, and I love them, and I cannot do without them. Then, my friend, that is a person that might be a candidate over a period of time, not three months, not six months, but over a decent, reasonable period of time to test that relationship. Somebody help me preach this morning. Number two, no two people agree on everything. What do you think? No two people agree on everything unless one of them is dead. You agree? Agree to disagree gracefully. Gracefully. Agree to disagree gracefully. What does that mean? Set boundaries. I tell young couples in marriage counseling, determine how you're going to fuss. Determine how you're going to fight. Determine what the boundaries are. I spoke to a young man just recently this latter part of this week, I said, listen, you don't know when she's upset and throwing a hissy, she, you need to ask her how she wants you to respond to her anger. He said, well, my response is, I say, I don't want to hear it. Go on back in there and sit down and shut up. I'm leaving. Hello? <clears throat> well, if that's the boundary set, then so be it. But there has to be some form of communication. Matthew 5, 9, you're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete on, on or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. What does he say? Don't, don't, don't violate the disagreement in an ungraceful way. Number three, a marriage <coughs> or any relationship 
that allows anger to accumulate is headed for hard times. In other words, some in some relationships, believe me now, I'm not, but women remember things that men long forgot. Y'all with me? Now, I guess that's how God created it. But here's what happens. You see, anger is a strong feeling of displeasure. Can you imagine being angry very long with the one that you're supposed to absolutely love that stole your heart? And here's what happens. When anger is not properly dealt with, it brings wrath. Wrath is long-term anger. Wrath suggests a feeling of getting revenge. Wrath begins to build walls up in that relationship that may never, except for God, be able to be overcome. And if you close the day with unresolved anger, the next day will start the journey toward wrath. God knew that, so what does he say? Ephesians 4, 26, go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil the kind of foothold in your life. One lady told me one time, well, I, I do that, Pastor. I just never go to bed. <laughs> now, listen carefully, friend. I don't care how you were created. I don't care what your DNA is. I don't care how you were raised. This is what the Bible says. You deal with that bitterness and that anger before you decide to retire uh, that night. Hello? Well, she won't talk. Then break the Bible out. Don't you do anything spiritual to me right now. Hello? <laughs> Number four, I, I won't wait a long time on these. One of the real killers of marriage is that we think the other person is responsible for our happiness or the lack thereof. Honey child, don't give the responsibility to anybody else to make you happy. And don't you blame anyone else to make you unhappy. You assume your own destiny as it relates to happiness. Your happiness or sadness is not because of what others do or don't do. Don't you say they're the reason so and they're the reason that. Stop it in Jesus' name. Take that matter to prayer and then it's you, my friend, that you need to determine, God, am I going to allow that stuff to stick to me or I'm going to get liberty over it through the power of prayer? There is very little security in trusting your happiness in the hands of another. Why would you trust your happiness to somebody else that is imperfect? Hello? You help me pre in the balcony? Y'all helping me preach a little bit? It's not, it's not. Circumstance, money can't make you happy. Another person. Here's what you can do, though. If you say, we're going to have a good relationship, and both of you can create an environment whereby it's easy to be at peace and be happy. But here's what the Bible says. Paul writes, Philippians 4, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. 
Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness and everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Unhappiness. You deal with it. Some people say, well, my DNA is this and my DNA is this, and we fight all the time. I'm going to get to that in just a moment. Conflict must be creative. Say that with me. Conflict must be creative. Must be creative. You see, conflict is neither good nor bad. Conflict is neutral. If there was not friction, if there was not a conflicting pole on a battery, it would have no life. So I'm telling you that conflict and disagreement is a part of life and and to say we are never going to have a disagreement, one of you is going to have to be brain dead. Why? You can't take two human minds and put them together without having some odds. But it's how you handle the conflict that brings the pain or brings resolution. You say, okay, we disagree on this. We disagree so we can be agreeable. Marriage and family need not be a battlefield, but woe to the man who expects a bed of roses. Amen? And you sit and you talk about, buddy, we're at it all the time. Then you talk about, well, she won't ever talk about it. You know? Well, he won't ever talk about it. Let me tell you what I I deal with all the time and anybody at council. And I've said this before. You take a couple and they come and they say, Okay, we're at odds, we're apart, we're this, we're that. I hate him, can't stand him. He says, I want you to know she's not being a good wife, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Here's what often happens. One of them says, I don't want you anymore. And that one will step over and just withdraw and build all kind of barriers up and say, if it's a woman, she'll say, don't touch me. I can't stand the sight of you. If you want something to eat, McDonald's is right down the street. No, I'm not going with you. That's not the way it's going to happen. I work here. I want you to know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And she drifts over here to the degree she lets bitterness and anger build up to the degree that the person she said, I do, I do, I want you, I do. She now despises. She withdraws. He's over there saying, oh, but darling, I want you to know I'm sorry. I need you. I love you so much, babe. I'm telling you, there's not another woman in the whole wide world looks just like you. You are the sweetest thing. I'm going, yeah, I made mistakes, but baby, I'll do whatever it takes. So and so, she said, get back. And then he decides, okay, I tried that. He decides to step over here and sends her a text and says, I did everything I could, but I'm done with you. Our marriage is over. I'm going to go on my way. I'm going to visit my lawyer sometime this afternoon. Here's what often happens. She has a reality check. She texts him and says, I'm sorry. I know that I've been distant, and I went way out there, and I, I'm so sorry. I know, I know I heard Pastor preach, but I didn't pay any attention to it. But I don't want our marriage to break up. We want to stay together, the kids, et cetera. And by the way, let me say this. Don't use your kids as a crutch. Don't stay together because of the kids. You know why? You'll create an environment that will be toxic to your own kids. 
What you should do is say one way or the other, we will get our act together in our home and create an environment so our kids will have a happy environment to be able to be raised in. So he says, I don't want you. She begins to crawl. Say, well, darling, I'm sorry, and -and so-and-so, and he feels like he's a king. I see it almost 99% of the time. What I want to do, what I really want to do, I've often thought, Lord, I just think if I could take a good, solid, well, I won't go there. If some way or another, and eventually I had one this morning, one this morning that I've been working with through this situation for the last three months, and they were both in church today. And I said, how's it going? She said, God gave us a miracle. She said, today, this week, we came back together and said, I'm sorry. And we're moving forward in our relationship. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't want to get caught. It's important that in that, remember patience, remember long-suffering, and remember to be proactive and not reactive. If you're one of those spouses that you react to everything shape up. Come in and get counseling. Your life is not to be one of reaction all the time. You hit a negative vein that very few people can pull you out of. You need to be proactive. What can we do to pick up and get this thing going and get healing and be better than we were before it happened? Number six, many times marriage is like a bird dealing with a cage. Birds inside the cage always want out. And those outside the cage seem to always want in. Can never be happy well, I'm in this institution in here. If I'd have married somebody else, I'd have been a whole thing. had another bird in the cage. It would be a whole lot different. Hello? Uh, doesn't work. Number seven, marriage takes 50-50. Listen, no. A healthy marriage is 100% giving and nothing withheld. Gentlemen, I've said it before. I'll say it again. You can't be right and happy. And say, well, why is it my job to have that? Why isn't it her, you big sissy? You just accept the fact that you married a fine-tuned creation from God. You could spend the rest of your life trying to figure her out. You will never figure her out. My friend, she's got nuances, she's got battery packs, she's got areas in her life that you don't even know about, and neither does she, but in a moment's notice, God can reveal it, and she will change her mind in a heartbeat, amen? Why do you think they move the furniture all the time, here and there? It's like, wow. Now listen, I don't like to make a bed. As a matter of fact, one of the things one of the things is making a bed. I'm not, and, and it really is easy these days. I mean, they have that big old comforter thing. You know, you just take and put the comforter up on the bed. There it is. I really don't care if it's too long on this side and short on that side. But when Sharon was sick about this time last year and she couldn't, I'd, I had to start making the bed a little more and I, I did it. And then she's got 30 pillows. It's like she puts every one of them in their place. I just stood. You know how these brides do when they throw the flower? I just get in the bed, take all the pillows and throw them and say, land where you want to land. But oh, no. So the other day, and I told her, the other day we were making the bed together. It was one of those pristine moments. I said, I'll help you. What a great man. 
And so we started making the bed. She, she can do the bed in less than two minutes, I think. You know, she did the sheet, and we got up. I pulled the sheet up, and I thought, okay, it looks like about that right on my side. I pulled it up to the deal. I said, let's get the comp. No, no. You got to fold the sheet back. Pull it up and fold it back. I said, fold it back for what? You know? No, I said, just the pillows work better if you just fold it back. I'm thinking, I'm not worried about the pillows. I want to get the bed made, so fold it back. So I, I folded it back. What I thought was right, she said, no, you need to pull it down a little bit more. I'm thinking, Lord, help me, Jesus. <laughs> then we put the comforter on the thing. She said, you got to pull it back. I said, well, okay. Now I'm thinking the quickest way I can get out of here is to do exactly what she says. So, so we, we did, we pulled it back and I said, you know, I've ever told you I hate having to make the bed. And I said, I knew, I knew that I couldn't make it to your satisfaction. I says, but you know, I'm, I'm glad you, you make the bed. Well, well, that's wonderful. God has given women the gift of bed making as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> and I'm sure there's a scripture in the Bible that we could find if we worked hard. Many times marriage, in number six, is like the bird dealing with a cage. In number seven, marriage is 50-50. No, it's not. Here's finally, number eight, to win an argument and lose a friend is stupid. If you have to argue, and you will, plan it where the other one will win. Argue so they can win. I'm not saying I'm sorry for something I didn't do. Get a life. Jesus suffered and was crucified for something he did not do. Well, I'm just not going to cave. Great example of a servant, isn't it? To cut your throat in two will never feed your stomach. You understand to win an argument and to lose and to bruise another, to say things that, listen, gentlemen, she will catalog what you say. She will. You might say it and forget it and come, babe, I'm sorry. Like your brain did, I'm so sorry. She might cry a little bit and say, okay, I forgive you, but listen to me. Don't think she's going to forget it right away. Somebody said, how dare you say that in public? I'm saying it to thousands online because it is the truth. So what? Here's number nine. For every negative comment made, you must give five positive comments. So the next time you say to your husband, you're a jerk, you know it? You're going to have to give him five positive comments. Okay. Here's a positive comment. You're 30 pounds overweight, honey. That's a positive comment. No, you know what I'm talking about. You know, here, here it is. When she walks up to you and she's got a dress and she puts it on or slacks or whatever in the world they put on these days. And she asks you how she looks. Be slow to answer. Think. Ask the question, do you like it? Assuming that you're going to get a positive answer or she would not have bought it. Do you like it? And she says, well, 
I kind of like it, but I really want to know what you think. You think? Really? Here's what you say. Baby. Use a little growl in your voice, baby. If you put on a feed sack, you'd look good to me. Try to leave it right there. If she asks you how her hair looks, ask Frank Kendrick how to respond to that. He knows, how do you like my hair? How do you like it? Well, it's kind of a new do. Wow. I, I think anything you do creative is heaven sent. <laughs> she won't let you get by with that. Pull your camera out and say, well, let me get a picture of you, darling. Here you go. Smile. Take a picture. And then turn it to her and say, you like it? She's going to say one or two things. Oh, Lord, no. <laughs> you know, the picture is different from looking in the mirror. That's right, darling. You know, you really don't like it? Wow. Well, here's what I know. Uh, it doesn't matter if you spend $150 at the beauty salon. You're going to come home and redo it yourself because it's never perfectly done. And I like anything you do. Y'all with me? You got to work at it. So you give the compliment. You understand that rather than throwing an accusation or a criticism. Here's another. It says Philippians 4, 8, summing it all up, friend. I'd say to you, do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, beautiful, not ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Number 10, relationships united will stand, divided they will fall. Unity gives strength. Unity of hearts, hands, and dreams bring about positive results. What I mean, one of the great areas of disagreement is in child rearing. How do you discipline the child? As a couple, you need to have an agreement before your child can understand what you're saying on how you're going to discipline the kids. And then let me say the last thing you need to do, if one or the other of you discipline the kid, don't you dare go behind the other's back and coddle that kid and say, Daddy didn't mean it, Mommy didn't mean it. You just hurt that child. You have to be united in the actions that you take. That is extremely important. You see, relationships united will stand. A banana taken off the bunch is getting ready to be peeled. That's a fact. Mark 3, 25. Does it make sense to send a devil to catch a devil? To use Satan to get rid of Satan? A constantly squabbling family disintegrates. It will Number 11, to do everything the same old way in the same old place at the same old time is going to become a death trap. Keep your relationships exciting. Look what the Lord has done. <laughs> Hello? Keep your relationship exciting, whether it's coworkers you work with, whether it's your marriage. 
There was one time many, many years ago, I pastored in Arcadia, and the closest was Sarasota. That was a a good 30 to 45-minute drive. Arcadia didn't have a fast food. It was a Whataburger, first one that ever came. I was shocked. You had to go to Fort Myers to shop or Sarasota or whatever else. And so we had, we had a child, and I had to make hospital calls in Sarasota. I was working two jobs at that time. And I, I thought, okay, we, we've been against it, and she's going through a little postpartum here. And, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm working two jobs and, and on Saturday and everything else. And so I, I said to her, I want you to plan. I'm going Thursday to visit this person in Sarasota in the hospital, and I want you to go. Well, what I'm going to do for a babysitter? I'd already made the phone call. I said, I've got that set up. So-and-so is going to come over and take care of the baby. See? And so, and they did. Well, well, okay. Are you sure? Sure, I'm sure. Well, I want you to know the day that we're supposed to leave was at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And um, I decided we're going to spend the night, and I got a hotel on the water. A canal, but on the water. <laughs> and I go in her bedroom and I got her, you know, her underwear, threw it in my jacket, got a brush, threw it in my jacket, got a little bit of makeup, whatever, anything will do, a little dab will do you here and there. And I got it put in my coat and I went out and opened the trunk of my car and I'm looking to see if she's looking out and taking a few threw it in there. I didn't fold it neatly. Just threw it in there. I came back about 45 minutes later and said, oh, I forgot something. I went back in the bedroom and I got shoes and I got a change of clothes, etc. Put it in while she was in the back washing the washer. The washing machine sounded like it's not working right. You might order to check it. I rushed out, raised the trunk. We got to Sarasota to the hospital and finished the visit. I said, you know what? She said, we're going to get dinner. I said, yeah, we're going to get dinner somewhere. She said, we need to get, be, be getting back, you know. I said, yeah, we're not going back. And I said it with authority. <laughs> we're not going back. You ever talk that way, you better have another plan that's better. <laughs> I said, we're going to spend the night. I've got a room over here at the Sleeping Flower Hotel. She said, no, you don't. I said, yes, I do. I went to the trunk. I opened the trunk. I had underwear here, underwear there. I had makeup thrown in there. I had shoes there. I had belts. I had pants all thrown in that trunk. Looked like a tornado had gone through the trunk. Everything was scattered. She said, when did you do this? I said, baby, you can count on me. We gathered it all together. We did spend the night. She quizzed all night long how I did it. I'm just saying, shh, shh. The point is, in your relationship, be creative. Don't ever lose the creative touch. Are you with me? Number 12, don't plan your future by using your past. Don't say the best days in your relationship was yesterday. Plan your future on better days that will come in the future. Amen. Be adventuresome and bold. Number 13, the mouth becomes a death trap. Guard your words. It becomes a death trap. Matthew 12, 36. Let me tell you something. 
Every one of these careless words is going to come back to haunt you. There will be a time of reckoning. Words are powerful. Take them seriously. Words can be your salvation or words can be your damnation. So be careful what you say in the... Finally, we live in a push and shove world. You see, we like to... We like to see people push, 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 and we'll run over them. We get out in traffic, blow the horn and run over them, but a better attitude is to pull, to reach down and pull people along instead of self-pushing to create something for you. Be one that reaches down and says, hey, let me help you. In Galatians 6, verse 2, stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burden and so complete Christ's law. And if you think you're too good for that, you are badly deceived, okay? So here's what happened. Rehoboam, Solomon's son, who came down on the people even harder, the people rebelled. And as a result of that, 10 of the tribes split and two of the tribes stayed together. And do you know what the Bible says in 1 Kings 12, 19? So Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. In other words, that rebellion, not being a servant, created such division that it's that way today. Look around you. Why do you think that 75% of those under 30 say there are no lasting messages? Because they've watched their parents too often act like that God's not in the picture. They've heard their parents fight, fight, fight. They never see their parents embrace. And as a result, it creates in the mind of that child, that's not what I want. But thank God for you guys who do it the right way who may make mistakes, but still give a better picture of health and unity than that of what the enemy would describe as his territory. And we give God the glory and the honor. Amen. So may the word spoken today be a blessing to you. Would you stand? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the abundance of your grace and your mercy. I pray now that you would speak to all of our hearts. We're leaning on you and we are trusting you. And we want you to know, Lord, we cannot get enough of you. Now listen, men and women are different, and I'm so thankful for that. But God, we're different not only physically, we're different in a lot of different ways. I pray that we'll learn to complement one another. I pray that we'll recognize one's weakness and one's fault, and we will cause that to turn into something that's positive. God, I pray in Jesus' name you would heal broken relationships. I pray that you would help us all to honor you and trust you. I pray you'll give wisdom where wisdom is necessary. I pray for children today that are being abused often in homes where, where the marriage is, is just so violent and so toxic. I pray in the name of the Lord, Father, in your name, you do what we cannot do. And we give you praise and honor and glory. And just in case, we're going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me. Would you do that, Heavenly Father? I thank you for Jesus. I ask for forgiveness. And I repent of my sin. Please take my heart and cleanse it for your honor and glory. I've made mistakes, made bad judgment, but today I'm asking you to forgive me. I give you honor in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.
We're going to sing this song once. If you need prayer and you need to be healed, you know of someone that, boy, this message was for them, you can go online and you can get it. Let me encourage you. Right now, the Holy Spirit is able to bring healing and anointing. So as we wait just a moment, we'll wait to give you a chance, an opportunity to come and be obedient, and then I'll give the benediction, okay? Here we go. You come forward. Reach my Heavenly Father, I thank you today. We've heard a word. We honor you because we know that all of us are imperfect. We know that all of us have one of the problems that we mentioned out of the 14 points. Sometimes, God, we can't stand ourselves. Sometimes we're afraid to say I'm sorry. Sometimes we've let anger and bitterness build. Sometimes we've made bad choices, but here we are. But one thing we know about you, you do forgive us. And we ask for that forgiveness. Now touch and minister to every person here and meet every single need. And God, give us favor throughout this afternoon and bless in the service tonight. And we'll give praise in Christ's name. Amen. Don't forget, service tonight, God will show up. And then, ladies, ladies, go out and buy you a ticket, okay? God bless you. Full meal to that event.